Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast. I am Rick Thomas. You're listening to episode 152, and thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. I want to walk through a minefield in this episode, meaning I may blow myself up. Or it could be that your hands are on the lever and you may blow me up because you get upset with what I'm going to say. And so I want you to listen as objectively as you possibly can. What I mean is sometimes we can map our experience over what we are listening to, and then our experience begins to draw heavily on our interpretations of what we're hearing, and we miss what we should be hearing. And so as much as you can, if you can listen objectively, that will help me a lot. It'll help us a lot in our relationship. And then I'm going to try to speak compassionately, not arrogantly, with humility and not be off-putting. But I want to somehow balance this tension between truth and love, and I want to merge them together to where I am speaking the truth in love. I don't want to take you off, but I also don't want to compromise a needed message that our Christian community needs to hear. The message is on pragmatism, where results aren't that important as long as we, I'm, I'm sorry, where the means is not that important as long as we get the results that we want. Therefore, I've titled the podcast, episode 152, When Results Are More Important Than the Means. Now, we see this all the time in our culture. You can look anywhere you want to look and you'll see pragmatism. It's all about the results. If you followed sports, at all over the past 20 years. You've seen it with this uh, steroid use. You have the baseball player that wants to hit more home runs than anyone else. You have the cyclist who wants to win uh, all the cycling events. You have uh, the runner who wants to run faster and farther than anyone else. And that is the result that these people are looking for. The means to get to those results is not really relevant. It doesn't matter how much they compromise as long as they get to the result. And so they use steroids, even if it means the, the killing of their bodies, which is one of the results, long-term results, of steroidal use. Well, we do that in the Christian community as well. We're looking for results, and results, we can be so result-driven that the means to those results, well, you know, we can tweak a little here and cut a little off that corner. And and the problem is, here's the big problem, is that there's a generation coming up behind us who doesn't have theological precision. And so they're starting with our lack of precision, and they're building upon that. And that becomes dangerous. You probably heard the story about the family that was sitting around at Thanksgiving, and they were uh, getting ready to eat a pot roast, and and they noticed that uh, both ends of the roast was cut off. And the daughter asked, Mom, why did you cut off both ends of the pot roast? And Mom said, well, that's, that's the way my mother did it. And then shortly thereafter, the granddaughter is talking to the, her grandmother and saying, why did you cut off both ends of the pot roast? She said, oh, well, Back in my day, I had a pan that was only so long, and so in order to get the roast in there, I always had to cut it off. And so your mama, my daughter, 
That's what she saw me do all of her life. And so every time she makes a pot roast, she just cuts the ends off, but she doesn't know why. She drifted from the truth because that's how she was trained. And if we're not careful, our children will come up with a lack of theological precision, a lack of sanctification precision, and they will just do it that way because that's the way we did it, and it's results that matter anyway. One of the places where you will see this more than any other place within Christianity is with books. Virtually everybody listening to this podcast has read a book, and you have had an aha moment with that book. And I wouldn't be surprised if most of the people who read those books and was helped by those books, that those books weren't that great. And so we come along, I come along, walking through my minefield, and I speak against that book, but yet God used that book to help you, and then you drop the hammer down and blow me up because you are emotionally and sentimentally attached to the book, even though the book really has some problems. And this is where I want to be careful in my communication with you. We have a book review on our website. We have several, but the one that I'm thinking of here is the book, Jesus Calling. When I post that review, like on Facebook, I get two kinds of responses. There'll be a lot of people that will say, that's a great review. The book is junk and you shouldn't read it, blah, blah, blah. And then you'll have another group of and and the review actually is very critical of the book. And then you have other people that will read it and read the review and they just get so angry. <laughs> they get so angry at me because of the critical review of the book. And every time they say the same thing, God has used this book to help me. Now this is a problem. It's a problem within Christianity that we can become so bound to the thing that God used to help me, that we lose biblical discernment about the thing that God used to help you. Now, again, I want to walk carefully here. I wrote about this in an article about psychological selfies, uh, where we use psychological testing and other means from the culture to learn more about ourselves and and then people will, you know, take this psychological test or read this self-help type book. And, and I remember I was reading a, a lady who said, oh, it just unpacked me. It just told me all about myself. And this sentimental, emotional bond begins to form uh, between the individual and the person who wrote the book. And quite frankly, the book is garbage. But through common grace that God gives all of us as his rain comes down on the just and the unjust, that these image bearers who do not know God write some good truths, and God uses those good truths to help to turn on a light in the corner of your brain about something that you've been struggling with, and then all of a sudden this is the greatest thing, but the truth is it's not that great, and you need to be careful about your associations. Here's the main idea that I want to talk about in this podcast. God can use nearly any means to help someone, but that doesn't mean that you should hook your wagon to those who helped you 
especially if they are compromising the Bible. If you have any questions about this podcast, I would love for you to ask me. Go on our forums and let's start talking. We have two types of forums for you. If you are not a supporting member of our ministry, that is just fine. Go on our community forum, fill out your username and password, and say, Rick, I want to talk to you about episode 152, the one that was titled, When Results Are More Important Than the Means. I have questions about that podcast, and would you answer my questions? And then da-da-da-da-da-da-da, there's my questions, and you just lay them out for me, and we'll interact with them If you are a supporter of our ministry, then uh, I want you you to go to the private side of our forums and and, and get on the private side and and make sure you're logged in, and then you can ask your question to our team there. But either way, we want to serve you. Now, perhaps you don't have a question about this, but you have a question about something else. Well, this is what we do. Today, people have been asking questions about Uh, things that are important to them, and they come to our ministry, and that is what we do. We are an engagement ministry. What we don't do, we don't just put content out in cyberspace and then step away from it. We put content in cyberspace all the time, every single day, and we also stay there so that we can engage you about that content. Because it's my understanding that when people read something, when any two people read anything from our website, they're going to read it differently and they're going to have questions about it. Therefore, they need somebody like the author of the content or the organization that puts out the resource. They need somebody so that they can gain more clarity. And thats it's not a unique thing that we do, but it's almost unique. Because most ministries don't do that. They don't engage their constituency the way that we do. But by the grace of God, we will always do that. And so this is episode 152, when results are more important than the means. One of the ideas that I want to communicate with you is this idea of a false continuum. The false continuum simply stated is, this thing helped me. Therefore, this organization or this book or this individual, I just want to embrace everything that they do. That's the false continuum. And that could be quite dangerous. Now, the way that you will hear that almost exclusively and where Christians will get tripped up is when they have an aha moment because they are perusing some material or listening to a sermon or whatever it is, they have an aha moment. And this is what they will say. I read their stuff. The light came on. It changed my life. It will always be some version of that statement there. Now, if you're hearing that statement, you want to be careful because one of the things that they're saying right up front or implying right up front is that they are now an advocate of the individual and the organization, and you want to be careful how you communicate to them because they are sentimentally and emotionally attached because they were helped, whatever helped may mean. Now, within the biblical counseling community, and I want to talk 
quite openly right now about us, about me, about our family. Biblical counselors, some biblical counselors, this is not an across-the-board reality, but it is true with some biblical counselors is that we can be quite harsh when we hear people who don't have a sufficiency of Scripture worldview, uh, they're not as tight with their theological precision or in biblical counseling, their sanctification precision. Sanctification or biblical counseling is the application of theology. And what has happened too many times within the biblical counseling community is that the biblical counselor, I call it the whack-a-mole. The whack-a-mole is a game where the mole jumps up through the floor, and as soon as it jumps up, you hit it uh, over the head with a mallet. And biblical counselors can be that way. We can be quite unkind to people who, who are a little bit sloppy, maybe, or not as precise as we would like them to be. And it's one of the things that I teach my students in our mastermind training is that on one hand, it really doesn't matter what anybody says. You just want to hear what they have to say. You want to give them the freedom and the space to be able to communicate according to who they are. And then when they communicate according to who they are, you don't want to hit them over the head with a mallet. You don't want to be harsh or unkind to them. I don't condone harshness. Uh, I do believe it is critical that our precision in sanctification practices must be as tight as our theological precision, which is one of the oddities that we find within Christianity, is that people can go to the mat when it comes to theological precision. Pastors, uh, authors, uh, teachers, elders, talk about theological precision, getting this verse right, exegeting this verse, having the right interpretation of this verse, and then turn right around and just be totally sloppy when it comes to sanctification practices, like it doesn't matter. I remember when I was working on a degree at a Reformed theological seminary and who really just goes to great lengths to make sure that our theology is just as sound as it can possibly be. And then you go into their bookstore, and they have virtually every great dead guy who's ever written a book, they have his book. It's an amazing bookstore. And then you go to the very back of the bookstore, the bottom shelf on the, f shelf on the far right, and you see 15 books from weird people writing on sanctification, writing on psychology. They just don't give adherence to it. And that's one of the ironies about Christianity is that we can be so meticulous in, in exegeting our passages. But when it comes to the application of our passages, we just like it doesn't matter. We become pragmatist. All we want are results, and it doesn't matter how we get there. And that is a problem. Now, let me go back to my opening fundamental idea that I shared with you, and then I want to illustrate this. I said that God can use nearly any means to help someone, and He can. 
It is true. I went on to say, but that doesn't mean you should hook your wagon to those who help you, especially if they are compromising the Bible. Well, now let me illustrate that. I have been helped by a lot of people who don't know God or their view of sanctification is pretty sloppy. For example, before I became a Christian, I was struggling in my dysfunction in such horrendous ways, and I was just looking for anything, for any kind of help whatsoever. And one of the books that I stumbled upon was Tim LaHaye's book, Four Male Temperaments. You know the Four Male Temperaments, uh, Choleric, Sanguine, uh, Melancholy, and Phlegmatic. Now, I'm not going to link that book here in the show notes because I don't recommend it. I don't want you to read it. But I read the book, and the book helped me where I was in that moment. It helped me to get a little light in my dark world about the kind of person that I am. I also became an advocate of PMA books, positive mental attitude books like Acres of Diamonds and Think and Grow Rich and The Magic of Thinking Big. I've read a ton of those PMA books. Of course, Norman Vincent Peale, His Power of Positive Thinking was a big book, Leo Biscaglia's book on love. A lot of books that I've read over the years, and the truth is they helped me. And I'm putting help in quotation marks. You can get a little bit of light because of common grace from these books, but I am not recommending any of these books, and I'm not hitching my wagon to any of these individuals because the books now that I have grown in my understanding of the application of theology, there is no way in the world that I would become an advocate for any of these individuals and the books that they write or those that they have written. But you can be helped. But what you want to guard against is this false continuum. They helped me, therefore I follow them. Now this is a big call for discernment on your part. And it's one of the weakest areas where we Christians struggle is that we just don't have discernment like we should for these kinds of things. Now, I don't want, I'm going to go back to this. I don't want you to hear a lack of uh, sympathy for any means that God may use to help someone. Now, ironically, this is happening in our culture every day. For example, let me give you an illustration that you might not have thought of. The politically left, our liberal leaning friends, they in our country, in the United States, They have sympathy for a lot of the ills in our country. They do. They have genuine, many of them. And I know, I get it. Please don't send me emails about that. I get it. There's a lot of selfish, ambitious, evil people in our world. But there are a lot of left-leaning liberals who have genuine sympathy for the ills in our society, and yay for them. The problem is, is that the means that they want to implement in order to make things better are not wise and they're not practical. And so they see a problem, they have a solution, but the solution is not good. But it doesn't mean that the problem that they are observing is wrong. And then we have me, 
those on the political right who can be so arrogant that we bash these liberals and all of our rightness. And what we end up doing, we end up exacerbating the problem. My point here is that if you have theological precision, if you have sanctification precision, do you know how to steward it? I mean, Knowledge builds up. Paul was very clear in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. I I mean, knowledge puffs up, I'm sorry. But love builds up. And if you are right, do you know how to steward your rightness rather than just hammering those, let's say in my illustration, on the political left, mocking them and being so acerbic toward them that it doesn't bring us any closer to resolution. And if you take that same attitude within the church and there are people who come to you and they've read the wrong books, but they were helped, in quotation marks, and you don't know how to steward that conversation, you will make things worse than what they are now and that you will create more division between you and them and within the church. And so I don't want to be a basher, but I, I do want to be compassionately critical about the dangers of following individuals, organizations, and practices that compromise theological sanctification. I want to share with I want to finish this podcast, and I want to share with you eight tips or eight things that I would like for you to think about. To I hope that will assist you in this idea of discerning groups, individuals, books, organizations, and practices. There are several ways you can discern if a book or a group or an individual is theologically precise in their sanctification practices. Here are eight things that I want to share with you. And again, if you want to talk about any of these, just reference episode 152. It would even be helpful if you linked it into the forum response so that I can go right to it and refer to it as you're asking me a question about it. You see, I produce a lot of content. And when you ask me a question about an article that I wrote, well, I've written, there's millions of words on our website and I might not know exactly what you're talking about, but if you link it, into your question on our forum, then I can click right on it, go to it, and then we can get down to business quickly. But this is episode 152, when results are more important than the means. And I want to share with you eight things for your consideration, and you can go right to these show notes, and you can read all eight of these things. And I would encourage you Uh, to have a discussion with a friend, with a pastor, with a small group leader, or your entire small group, that you talk about this. Perhaps you can, if, if your small group is mature enough to do this, now that might not be possible, but you can bring a book that God has used to help you and, and have others to carefully critique it. If you're humble and teachable, you will allow people to do that. But if you're defensive and not teachable, well, then you have some work to do in your heart, and you really have to ask yourself the question, why am I so defensive about this matter? Why can't I hold this humbly and loosely and engage with my brothers and sisters about it? But eight things to think about. Number one, does the Bible teach or does the Bible imply the ideas that you are learning? And so you're reading a book, God is using this book, 
does the Bible really teach these things, or does the Bible imply these ideas that you are learning? That's one of the things that you want to ask. Now, this is another reason that you would want to bring the teacher, the book, the organization to a small group of friends, because if you can't see what you can't see, you're not going to be able to know what the Bible teaches us or not, and so you want to get that input in community. Number two, do these individuals that you are benefiting from, do they have a high view of Scripture? Now, I have the same question that would follow up. How do you know? And again, you want to, one of the best places to answer these types of questions is within the, within a community of competent, Bible-loving friends. So does the Bible teach or imply the ideas that you are learning? Do the individuals who are writing these things or producing these resources, do they have a high view of Scripture? I want you to ask that question of me. Does Rick Thomas, does RickThomas.net, does that organization have a high view of Scripture? Put us under the microscope. Number three, are the soul care providers willing to lower their view of God's Word because they are helping people? Now, this is a temptation that could happen to me, and it could happen to you if you are in ministry. Are you tempted to cut corners because of the greater good? It's an ethical question. Does the greater good drive how you think about the means to get to that greater good? Number four, do soul care providers have a high view of the family and the local church? Meaning, are they helping the church while directing folks to the church for long-term soul care? Are they kingdom building what, what I'm talking about here? That's something that we don't want to do here. We want to make sure that this ministry always has this big, wide road that leads back to the local church because that is the primary context for soul care to happen outside of your family. Number five, have you fallen for pragmatism? This person or this group helped me see something that I did not previously see, so I'm going to follow and promote them, even though they compromise Bible sufficiency, specifically in their sanctification practices. Number six, are you sentimentally attached to this person, to this group, to this book, because of the help that you received from them? This emotional connection does not have to be a bad thing. I hope that people are emotionally connected to our ministry, but I hope that their sentimentality, I didn't get all them uh, syllables in there, and I hope their emotional connection does not blind them to any kind of compromises that we, we may have. But are you sentimentally attached to the person, the group, the book that helped, that you received help from? And is that emotional connection, is it blurring the lines for you? Number seven, do you know how to discern if a person or a group is a solid adherent to a sufficiency of Scripture view of sanctification? Now, you may not. If you don't, then this is another one of those questions that you want to bring to your community. How do you discern is the question that you want to ask. This is the question that you want to ask your friends. How do I discern if this book that I'm reading is a solid adherent to the sufficiency of Scripture view of sanctification? And then number eight, are you able to speak to the person or the group or the group to help them change? Let's say that, that you have a friend, and the, and the person is really practicing pragmatism, but they don't know it. 
and they are sentimentally and emotionally attached to this book, let's say, that they are reading. Do you know how to talk to this person? What I would appeal to you is, is don't be like I've described with some of us biblical counselors. Don't play whack-a-mole. Don't hit them over the head. But ask God to give you the grace and the patience to be able to come alongside them and to be able to bring them into a fuller and more comprehensive understanding of sanctification as derived from Scripture. This is episode 152, when results are more important than the means. The fundamental idea is that God can use nearly any means to help someone. He has helped me in my life with self-help books, integrated books, secular books, integrated people, secular people, but it doesn't mean that you should hook your wagon to those who helped you, especially if they are compromising the Bible. And by the grace of God, as far as I know, we haven't hooked our wagon to anyone that is compromising the sufficiency of Scripture worldview that we hold dearly. Now, if I've been dead for 20 years and you're listening to this podcast, would somebody come alongside our ministry and examine it? Would you just take it apart and unpack it? Do me a favor because I'm not here anymore. Make sure that we have this theological precision. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you want to talk, go on our website. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee. Thank you.